Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where today we'll talk all things NBA, handicap some hoops, check in on what's going on in the basketball world. Spread, it sounded like you were outside shooting some hoops today? Yeah, it's like my first day off in a little bit, so I figured I'd go outside. It's still like 80 degrees in California, it's crazy. But um, What are we working on? Mid-range, a little three-point game, working on some of your drives to the hoop? Mainly just, yeah, mid-range. <laughs> That's all a little mid-range really action. Is that it? Yeah. That's all yeah. we've got? What are we talking yeah. about? Like kind of one-dribble pull-ups? You got a little spin move? Anything? Uh, are we just, are we just trying I, to catch the ball in an open spot and hope for the best? Pretty much, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> just shoot around. <laughs> just enjoy uh, the sunshine, you know? So you'd be one of those guys shooting around, and we'd walk over and ask you to play, and you'd be like, oh, I'm just going to keep shooting around. Come oh, on, no, I'd play if someone was out there. All right. Boy, there it's weird. Go. Kids don't play as much anymore. It's got to be t- go to these parks. I'm just by myself. I'm like, huh? It's got to be tough. I think it seems parents don't let their kids kind of just go to a park. I mean, growing up, I was yeah, in a relatively true. small, pretty safe town. But if I wanted, I could get on my bike, bike. Yeah. Like a, it was about a mile and a half, but I could bike to the park. And you know, my parents didn't really care. I'd be there all day. They'd have no idea what I was doing. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Such is yeah. life spread. But things are a little it worse is. in the world. Luckily, neither of our last names is Collins. Did you realize right. last week we've had two Collins go down? We'll start with, um, you know. And they were both off teams that I was high on in our preseason pod, so it was a little disappointing for me. We'll go reverse alphabetical order. Okay. Zach Collins goes down with a shoulder injury, I believe. Sounds like he's going to be out for most if, most of the season. Um, maybe we'll see him later in the year. Uh, but that's a huge blow to Portland. He really was the key to them being dynamic and doing a lot of interesting things. Um, how do you think this impacts Portland? Um, what do you think that they'll do to try to cover up that absence? So Collins is four months, which brings him back actually after the All-Star break. So yeah, all just before the playoffs. Lo- yeah, all isn't lost for him necessarily. But what it does is it's going to bring some of the front office moves to of the offseason in question because, you know, they kind of went light on uh, re-signing their forwards because who they lose? Aminu and Harkless, right? Yeah. And those are two guys that maybe could have filled in. And right. now they're having to go super small um, running. Gosh, one I've seen one where they had Hood at the three and Baysmore at the four. It's I mean, Hazonia time, baby. Team. Super yeah, Mario. Hazonia too, but I mean, where are you going to put him, right? Because he's he should be a three at most, right? They've been playing. It was kind of three. a small power, for, a, a well, shorter they have power to, forward. They don't really have anyone. Nurkic is still hurt. Um, Whiteside's obviously a pure five, and it's just uh, it's going to be rough for him. You know, it's just one of those things where you know all the teams look so good right in the off season when we're doing the previews, and then th- it's it's injuries like these and, and setbacks like these that kind of separate the pack so to say it'd have to go from zach collins to anthony tolliver is not not a fun move to have to make right because tolliver should be a 10 minute guy right like if you tell me i have this team assembled and anthony tolliver i need 10 good minutes from him a night i'm, I'm fine with the way you set up your team right that's mm-hmm. perfectly acceptable to me to me like on any level team but yeah anything more than that it's just that's he's not really set for it so boy even more pressure on that dynamic backcourt now huh can your boy Scal Labissier do anything? Is, is he able to contribute in any meaningful way, you think? Yeah, but once again, he might actually be one that would be at the four because I'd see them even trying to run him at the five in some of those smaller lineups. When Whiteside was out, they would put Scal at the back of five, and he, he just can't do it. He's not big enough, and he doesn't have enough presence um, defensively on the rim. Now, at the four, I think he could, but I'll tell you what, I watched a lot of him. 
and he was one of those guys that that looked pretty good and then after the second year he just really hasn't gotten better so that's that's really my worry about him that he's already hit his ceiling and if if that's where it is it's not necessarily a meaningful contributor on a team that port you with the expectations that portland had which is the western conference final finals again you know so I think the biggest impact actually is that not Collins is a four, but Collins was their small ball five. It's going yeah. to be tough for them to roll out really small lineups now without having to put kind of a plotting big guy in there. Azonia can't play five. Bazemore can't play five. Simons absolutely can't play five. You just talk through why Scal is limited to that position. You know, Tolliver can't play five. So you're forced to always have kind of a, a Hassan Whiteside on the floor. Um, you know, and a I funny thing gonna... about Whiteside is he's looked okay on defense, right? which is cool because that's probably what they got him for. But he's so limited in the pick and roll um, with Lillard because his, his, as a roll option, he's really not that strong. And, and I think that's one of the problems where Portland's having difficulties with this team that they've assembled during the offseason. It's just funny how, you know, obviously teams are deep and, and, and light at some places and the depth at power forward is definitely being exposed. And I'll tell you what, I'll bet you they – uh, Coach Stotts really wishes he had an, uh, an Aminu or a Harkless back this year, you know, in this situation. It was something we talked about in the offseason, losing both of those guys. And I know I, I harped on Amino a lot because he really is, you know, kind of a nice plug-and-play guy to have on the bench. I mean, you could slide him into that Collins spot, and obviously not as good as Collins, but you'd still right. have someone that could play kind of small ball so five bad. and stuff like that. So right. tough, yeah. tough time for the Portland Trailblazers. Another Collins out for 25 games, but this is not due to injury, was suspended for violating the league's substance abuse anti, I'm sorry, they call it the anti-drug program now spread. He tested positive for growth hormone releasing peptide 2, GHRP2, you know, for those of you that are that are following more closely than I, but 25 games without John Collins. Um, I don't really feel like having a debate about whether or not people should do PEDs. How about you? Nope. All right, so let's talk about the basketball impact here. Right. I think this is a huge blow for the Atlanta Hawks. I know it's only 25 games, um, but he was their defensive centerpiece in terms of big men. You, you start to look at some of the guys that are going to fill in these minutes. You're going to see a lot of Alex Len. I don't think that that's really a great thing. A lot of Damian Jones. He's proven to be pretty limited. Um, they were using Jabari Parker in the starting lineup. I think a lot of people will point to that, but J- Jabari Parker's not going to do that's, what John I'm Collins does defensively. People. I mean, Jabari Parker is maybe going to allow them to stretch the floor out a little bit and offer them a little more interesting option offensively. But defensively, I mean, this team, there's nobody. I don't see one player on the lineup as I start to look through that really can protect the basket until Collins comes back. And, and that's Len what I'm can. most concerned about. Eh, I think he's... Len's okay defensively. You just give up so much with him on the offensive end that that's where I think he's a drawback. Yeah, I guess he's – I mean, he's not – I don't know. I think of him as average at best. I mean, he's a big guy, but he, he doesn't really right. move his feet all that well. Um, definitely not known for his his play at the rim. But I think that this is going to be a, a really limiting injury for the Hawks. Now, he will be back after 25 games, should be healthy and ready to go. Um, does this hurt so at all? I, I know, does this hurt got, I'm watching right now. They still have John Collins in their promo photo for the Hawks. Oh, do they? It's, like, it's Trey and Collins standing next to each other as they're getting ready. Oh, no. Um, so... <laughs> I actually, I was uh, pretty disappointed because, you know, we've both invested in the Hawks here, right? I got the little division. That's what I was going to say. How you feeling? You, you went over. division. Yep, I went yeah. over 33 and a half on the regular yeah. season. So, um, I was pretty impressed with Parker last night. He was finally the player that we expected out of Duke. 
And if this coach can get through to him and get him to give an effort like he gave last night against the Spurs on the defensive end where he's passable, you know, I mean, obviously he's never going to be a plus defender, right? But if he's average, he brings a lot to that team on the offensive end and the drop-off because the Hawks aren't aren't going to be a super good defensive team anyways. So they were always going to try and outscore you. So I, I actually didn't think the drop-off was as severe as I thought, and I really was – was excited to see uh, Parker perform last night. Um, I definitely thought, it, you know, uh, I was on the Hawks last night, so I was definitely happy when he was in the game, you know, and I was looking for him when he was out of the game, wondering when he's going to come back in. So I'm going to be interested if we can keep that performance up. I was, uh, I was actually pretty impressed with him after, and I kind of didn't like him, especially after the uh, what he said. You don't get t- uh, paid to pay defense in this league, and he had one big contract, and then I think it's already gone. I think he's off it already. Yeah. So, I, I I think it's gonna be fun to see how this goes. I I really am surprised at how well Parker plays, and that's a, that's against like a pretty solid inside team in the Spurs, and, and he was really cutting at the rim and and moving with what it looked like some offensive basketball IQ. So if he can just be a passable defender, I think they can actually absorb this uh, better than I expected when I first heard the news. You're more optimistic than I am about Jabari's defensive ability, but I, I think you're you're right in that if he can play average defense, this might actually unlock a more interesting version of the Hawks. It might right. allow them to, to fill out some lineups and, and kind of figure out how to play a little faster, a little smaller, with a little more space on the floor. And then when Collins does come back, you start to look at, you know, if you can go Collins, Parker, Hunter, Reddish, Young, you know, even swap out one of Reddish and Hunter for Herter or somebody like that. Um, that could be a really interesting fast lineup with a lot of space on the floor. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's 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 an opportunity actually for the Hawks to grow here a little bit. They've had some adversity at the beginning of the season. You know, Trey Young had a real, pretty rough looking ankle injury. Only ended up missing two games because of that. Had a minutes limit last night, but you know, a minutes limit of thirty. So nothing that I'm really too concerned about. But maybe this adversity is good for them in the long run, and they unlock something different and new with with Mr. Parker. Yeah, you know, I'm still uh, pretty high on the Hawks overall. Um, even not maybe necessarily this season, but I mean, boy, this seems like a franchise in, in going in the right direction. And if you were to say, you know, which lottery team from last year has the best outlook, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking they're pretty close. All right, let's move on to a little less serious topic, but a topic that was really interesting. Um, for anybody that was watching the Nets-Rockets game last week, <laughs> there was a pretty interesting moment towards the end of the game. Kenny Atkinson walked over the bench and grabbed a little white poster it was a sign spread at a picture of dennis scott with a a red circle and a slash through it i guess the the message to be delivered here was you know no 3d um so you know (laughs) trying to change the defense there i I thought that was pretty interesting i've always been surprised that a lot of stuff that we see you know you watch nfl games specifically you watch college games you know everyone's always covering their mouth because there might be lip readers or they're doing all sorts of interesting signals in college a lot of times you see guys with signs and there'll be like three guys there with poster boards and like one's right and two are supposed to be wrong so what did you think of mr atkinson's groundbreaking use of a side on the a sign on the sideline as a coach I think I think that's a sign of a coach that's in touch with his team, right? We all know that these, um, the way it is now, the yelling and the barking, you're not getting the responses from these young athletes the way that it might have worked 20 years ago. And I think that he's, I mean, he was probably from what I read, they he said that you know he had been talking about it and it just wasn't getting through to the guys, so he was trying to think of a fun way, um, you know, to get them to really focus on it. 
And I mean, I think it's a great idea. I mean, <laughs> I do short too. Term, I, I've always wondered why they didn't, you know, lean more into that. We've been to basketball games, and you know, spread in those tight moments, the crowd's loud. You got a lot of stuff going on, and I imagine as players, you learn to block out a lot of sound. You know, I never reached obviously this level of play, but growing up, I had a very vocal father who used to like to yell a lot of stuff at me while I was playing. And honestly, the only way I could play is if I basically just turned it off. You know, I didn't hear anything while I was running around. So, you know, the coach knew to kind of signal stuff to me or players would kind of bump me when there was changes and stuff and, and made sure that they had my attention. I wonder if there are NBA players that are like that, that kind of tune out a little bit to the sounds and are focusing on what's going on. So I wonder if, you know, a visual cue, a visual signal like that is more effective. Yeah, and I think that it's it's kind of, I think the gulf between basketball and basketball analytics, which I think are a great tool, I think it's the most. I think, you know, the players think about these things the least out of any sport. Um, you know, I, did you see the little in, uh, back and forth that Kevin Durant had with Matt Moore about the mid-range shots? I did. I, and, you know, maybe just to pause for a second, I don't think this is even more, more of an analytics thing. I don't think that you need analytics to know that, you know, when you're up three and the other team has the ball the last second right, shot, right, you're, right. you're trying to do everything you can to blow them off. But that's an maybe interesting I'm point. Not make, okay, I'm not making my point clear. My point is that um, it, basketball is a lot more fluid yeah. and feel than, than that I think that we give it credit for. And so I think that you're right. I think a lot of these guys are just out there and they're in the zone. And uh, I guess that's just what I was trying to say. Like, they're not, I don't think they're thinking, like, this is a high percentage shot, you know. They're thinking, like, this feels good from this spot. I so. think you're right. I, it's, and I understand what you're saying now. Turn around to the Kevin Durant stuff where he just talks about, you know, trying to get into a rhythm and, and make shots that he likes and he thinks he can make versus, you know, trying to make sure he's always shooting threes every time. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. He's trying to make the play that feels good, not necessarily the, the smart play. You know, right. He's trying to play within the rhythm of the game and – and feel the game, not th uh, think about the game. I think there is a lot to that. I think basketball, just like any sport, you really have to be in a rhythm and understand what's going on, especially such a fluid sport. You know, mm -hmm. basketball, people do complain about all the timeouts and whatnot, but when it's being played, it really is a fluid game, and there's a lot going on, and there is there's a certain rhythm, a certain melody to it that you have to follow. So... Um, interesting move by Mr. Atkinson. I wonder if we'll see more of this as we go through the season. Uh, we will be keeping track and looking out for all his various signage. <laughs> Definitely. Now, Spread, last thing we wanted to talk about, um, Kawhi Leonard out tonight. Um, I'm not sure if they listed officially as load management, but if you go out into the world, into social media, into the various sports um, news and websites, people are referring to it as load management. They're pretty upset to have a player like Kawhi Leonard out this early in the season. Now, I'm going to let you jump in and, and kind of break down you know, exactly what the league thinks of when they think of load management and, and some of the differences in what's happening with Mr. Leonard. But at a very high level, Kawhi is not taking off games because he might be hurt. He has a degenerative condition in his knee. He's had a quad injury more or less kind of every single year for the last, I don't know, half dozen, half half or so dozen years. Um, and this is a little different situation. So why don't you take a minute and, and break it down for us? All right. So it is called... Um... Gosh, so I was looking it up because I didn't want to do it. Degenerative tendinopathy. Tendinopathy? I'm not exactly sure. I was just reading about it today because I saw, um, you know, they were talking about it. And then there was a doctor that jumped on and was like, no, I mean, the, you know, the NBA needs to do something about it. And he said there's they'll for actually Kawhi Leonard, not necessarily all the players, but for Kawhi, they will never be able to... Um, enforce this because the actual 
diagnosis of his injury? Is, is it the point where he's it's degenerative? He has cells dying in his legs, in his tendons, and and the only way to manage it is uh, you're you're supposed to log your activity, and you have to keep a very strict limit on your activity. And the thing with it is that once you get hurt, it can take a really long time uh, to heal. So the whole point is is you need to be preventative. You need to prevent the overwork to the tendon and because it's at the degenerative stage like it's never going to get better so uh i guess with some of the other players we can um you know maybe criticize them or critique them but with with leonard it's i really feel bad because i feel like it's unfair where everyone's getting on him where this is actually like a proper medical condition and if you think about it anyone who's worked in any sort of corporate environment if you had you know something from your doctor and then, you know, I, as the manager, tried to make you do it in uh, direct violation of these doctor's orders. Like, I would get fired. So, it's just it's just crazy to me all the backlash that they're getting. And they're acting like he's just sitting out because he's tired or he's lazy or, you know, he doesn't really feel like playing. Um, it's not that way at all. So, I'm just feeling bad for Leonard because I think this is a kind of a unique situation. I agree, and I like the the parallel you drew there. I mean, if if you work an office job and you had carpal tunnel syndrome, you know, I don't think that people at the office would really come after you for not coming in every once in a while or taking long breaks during the day so you you can get your hands right or your your joints well. So I think you're right. We need to think about it more in that terms. I mean, load management in general is something that I embrace. I think that the 82-game season is absolutely just brutal. I know that since college basketball season started, I've gotten into a lot of arguments with people around which what is, quote, better, college basketball or professional basketball. And one of the things this year that I've been bumping into is everyone telling me how much harder the college players play and they don't have load management. Well, of course they don't. They play 30 games a year, maybe. If they're good, they play 40. If you're good in the NBA, you play 100 games. If you're on any NBA team, you play 82. You're playing at least twice as many games as the best college teams are every year. It's an outrageous comparison to make. And I think we need to be more realistic about the strains and struggles that this puts on people's bodies. And, you know, again, they always go back to, oh, the Michael Jordan didn't load manage. Like, go away. Seriously, go away. I don't have time for this. The NBA was much different. The bodies were much different. Yes, the planes weren't as good and the training wasn't as good. But the level of play wasn't as fast or as I'll high as it what. is now. I want to jump in. The training was better, and here's why I'm going to say that. The reason that we're getting all these, you know, nicks and bruises and things like that is these players play too much as kids. Uh, in the 80s, Michael Jordan, when they, you know, we were growing up back then, if you were a stud athlete, you know, like Jordan was, you played football, basketball, and baseball, and then you chose, like, maybe your senior year or when you went to college. You played all three sports, so you weren't just playing basketball over and over and over again for 10 to 11 months a year so you know football obviously uses different muscles baseball uses different muscles it's probably a break for some of those guys too right you know hey you know you've been uh you've been running into each other tackling each other playing football and then you know you've been running up and down the court jumping dunking playing basketball here just go uh go hit and run around and throw the ball around you know but uh that that's i think really think i really believe that that's the main problem is that the athletes play too much basketball when they're young and uh i've even read other people saying is you know it's because there's so many people trying to make money off these youth leagues and they have to justify these high fees that they're all charging so you know they're playing 12 to 15 games and all these different a unit AAU tournaments are definitely profitable and 
and and I I really believe that the main problem with all these injuries is the fact that these kids specialize on basketball or any any of their sports uh, way too early. You make a great point about that. Basketball has the unique challenge of having to jump. I, I know that that happens in some other sports, but you're jumping on just about every single play during a basketball game, offensively, defensively. You start the game by jumping. You jump when right. you shoot. You jump when you get rebounds. And jumping, um, I have to pull up, um, I forget, I, I read some research paper. God, it's got to be a decade ago at this point. But it's something like a difference between you know sprinting, you, you put pressure on your body of around three to four times your body weight versus when you jump, I think it's like eight to ten times. It's much more impactful to your body and the joints have limits. So, you know, every yeah. time you're ready to complain about load management, I would ask you, you know, what do you want? Do you want to see players like LeBron James have these long careers? You know, he's going to play for 20 years at a high level because, you know, at certain points of his career, he realized I'm going to take a couple nights off. But has you know, he really taken that. that many nights off? If you go back and look, it's not, it's not as much as, it's not as much as Kawhi, but he takes about a dozen or so games off a year. What was it? I I was looking at him at above 75 at almost every year he's played. The the one year he he actually took a break. I think he went, I'm trying to remember where he went, but he like just left the team for like two weeks. He went back to Miami or something and came back healthy. You remember that? I mean, again, it's not as much as as Kyrie. Um, I'm sorry, it's not as much as Kawhi Leonard. It's not as much as they're going to do with Paul George. It's nothing on the level of what the Sixers did with Joel Embiid. But you got to have some... But each of these are like specific cases, right? And as a Sixers fan, you'd agree agree, like Embiid is not... His body's not going to be made for an 82-game schedule. No, especially... You look at him, he's not. He's taller than when we drafted him. We we drafted an 18-year-old kid or 19-year-old kid that was still growing. There's... You know, people just... They have this memory of the world being tougher and better than it was however long ago. I'm trying to remember it was Steve Kerr that said it in an interview, and this is very sarcastic. He's like, oh, yeah. oh no, of, of course, you know, the players are, are worse than, than they were, than they used to be. And, I mean, George yeah. Mikan was the absolute very best player of all time, <laughs> and it just got worse from there. I mean, Jordan was worse than him, and, and we're worse than Jordan, and so on and so forth. You know, it's unlike anything else in the world. Stuff just gets worse as time goes along. It doesn't get better. Um, yeah. So, cool down, I everybody. really do think they had less injuries, though, because they were more active. You know, I, I really think a lot of these AAU kids get up, they play ball for four hours, and then they go home and play 2K or, you know, whatever video game they're into. You know, but that's it. They're not playing football. They're not playing baseball. They're not, you know, trying other sports and doing other things that are engaging your body, but they're not putting that wear and tear on it. So and the game's different. I really different. think that's an issue. It's a faster it game. Is. There's more it possessions. Is. There's more cutting. There's stuff that's a little tougher on your joints. So... Please relax in general on the load management stuff and cut Kawhi a break. He's got a bad knee and he needs time to to fix that and help. But maybe he'll go to maybe he'll right. talk to Kobe and go to Germany for the uh, the knee the knee whatever this summer. Let me get your uh, one last opinion on it, right? So yep. uh, let's say you have someone uh, in this debate because I listened to a bunch of people talking about it today. It was the hot topic on the uh, the normal major mainstream media, right? It was you know the the debate yelling at each other shows. So the one thing that I thought that some people had points with merit were, okay, so you know he's not going to play back-to-back, right? We can see that he's not doing that. Is it wrong that he chose to sit out the Milwaukee game tonight instead of the Portland game tomorrow? And, you know, the argument is, one, it's better for the league if he plays against Milwaukee. Two, it's better for the team if he plays against Portland because they have a better chance to beat Portland. I assume that a doctor is explaining to him which games he should play and which games he shouldn't. Um, I would much rather see him play against Milwaukee than play against Portland. That would be more interesting for me to watch. That would be appointment viewing. 
but that's so I fine. think the doctor says you can't play both in a row. But I don't think it matters if you take Wednesday night off or Thursday night off, especially because they haven't played that much this week. Either so, way, I don't, you know, as much as I'd rather see him play the Bucks versus Portland, see, I think um, I'd rather see him healthy in the finals. That's what I want. Yeah. I don't care. So Take off yeah, as many games as you need. I think it's strategic that they're thinking, like, well, it's going to be easier for us to be Portland. So, what you know, Milwaukee's a tougher game. And, boy, that line's creeping up. It's like six and a half now. Oh, wow. It's it's going to be hard for me to stay off that. Well, we'll get to the Thursday night games in a little bit. We had some pretty that one's good tonight, success last week. Oh, is that tonight? The, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, I that's just, right. I checked the lines right before you jumped on, but I only checked for tonight. But I was just mm-hmm. surprised. I'm like, it's six and a half now? Wow, a lot of Milwaukee well, money no Kawhi. In. No Kawhi. That's yeah, a but big that's difference. still a pretty good team. Milwaukee's is. in L.A. But who's, like, who's scoring not... points? I guess you have, you have big Gallinari Harold games. You'd have to have big Gallinari, Lou Williams, Harold well, games. Gallinari's not on their team no more. Uh, that's Gallinari's true. Out that's OKC, true. Remember? He can't score any points. We got Lou there. Williams. We got Landry Shamit. He's not <sighs> a bad guy, right? Goddamn Landry Shamit. <laughs> All right, spread. Let's jump into um, a little recap. You know, every week we're just going to touch in, kind of see who's the number one in the standings, talk about who's in the playoffs, who's out, and just kind of check in in general on on teams, see if we have any thoughts. <laughs> Looking at the Eastern Conference, the Sixers and Celtics are five and one. The Heat and Bucks are five and two. Great call by you. You were all over the Heat in the off season. I was a little bigger Magic fan. That's not panning out so far, but. It's early in the year, but I think we've seen and confirmed a lot of thoughts that you had about the Heat. So you want to take a second for a victory lap here? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Heat looked great, right? Jimmy Butler is just, boy. I mean, does that decision look better and better every day? Looks like he fit a team that he, you know, he gets to be the man, and he's got a bunch of pieces around him that play the same way that he does. It's always good. It's always a good decision to move to Miami and be paid millions and millions of dollars every year. I don't care what the situation is, but that was a great decision and that was a great call by you. They look like a really cohesive unit, even with a bunch of young players. I think Spo has done a great job, and Jimmy Butler, like you said, fits in perfectly. Um, Can we talk about the Magic real quick? Did you see who their new starting point guard is? I did. Markel Fultz, baby, he's back. And he hasn't looked too bad, right? The three's still pretty ugly, but the mid-range is back, and he can beat people off the dribble. And if he was they're a, collapsing, he's hitting that shorter floater. Even when he had the shoulder thing and he was in Philadelphia and they had him playing for a few games, he was a great ball handler, a great penetrator, and a really good defensive player. And if he can learn how to do those few things and have even half of a jump shot, he's going to be a successful NBA player. So I continue to have faith in Markel Fultz, and I'm excited to see him get a real opportunity on a team that could be pretty fun. So, um, yeah, I think that is fun. I mean, I really think that that's the smart move by the Magic because he could be, I mean, I don't know, I think it's probably like a 10 or 20% chance, right? But he could be that he's extra their key piece to upside. that they need. Yep. Yep. He's their key to upside. You know what DJ Augustine is. He's not going to raise his level through the year. So let's right. put some, invest some time in a player that can get better. I think you're right. That makes a lot of sense. All right, Sixers, Celtics, Heat, Bucks. Then you got the so Raptors. So hold on, we got we to gotta check oh. on the Sixers, and we're not even being homers for this one because – they are, you know, they're at the top of the conference, so they deserve to be talked about. Tell me what you think about the Sixers right now. I love what they're doing defensively. Um, the team has been really, really good. I'm still concerned that they've had trouble with with quick guards that can shoot threes. 
Trey Young looks solid. Damian Lillard looks solid. Devin Booker absolutely murdered them. We'll see how they do tonight against Donovan Mitchell and Joel Embiid's return. But remain pretty optimistic about the Sixers. And the biggest step forward, and we've talked about this in our chats a little bit, I have spent more or less every minute I had the last however many years Brett Brown has been coach of the Sixers ripping on him. Until maybe a month ago, he was Scotty Brooks 2.0. But I have noticed some big step forwards from Mr. Brown this year. He's done a much better job calling timeouts when other teams are starting to get hot and get on runs. He's done a much better job balancing lineups, making sure that at least two of kind of the big four or three of the starting five are on the floor at all times and to, to make sure that we have enough talent to maintain. Uh, I've liked what he's done. It's been a really, really big step forward. So if he can continue to be a positive, to you know, not even really be a positive, just not a negative, this team has just a ton and ton of potential. So I'm extremely optimistic. You know what? And I think that's the perfect example for when people get frustrated with their coaching um you know people get better at their jobs with experience right like we're better podcasters now than we were when we first started doing this no we were great the whole time (laughs) but you understand my point right people get better the more they do stuff the more repetitions they get the better they get and um you know there probably are some coaches probably maybe the chicago coach doesn't listen but i'm assuming that he's seen some of these mistakes you know, he's, he's not in a bubble like, you know, LeBron James or some of these top players, right? I mean, he has to hear some of the criticism. And if he's, you know, a somewhat open-minded person, he has to think, well, I probably haven't done everything perfectly, right? We didn't win the championship, so let me make some changes. And it seems like he has made those changes. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think that sometimes we start to rip on these young coaches without letting them get the experience. And I think another person, and we talked about this in the – the off-season pods that seems to be learning from his experience would be Mr. Saunders down in Minnesota. Yeah, we'll touch on Minnesota in just a little bit. We but will. Let me give other... you one more Philly before we move on. All so right. I, uh, you know, I went to Tahoe with the girlfriend this weekend, and, um, uh, you know, so I had money on Portland. We took the Portland thing, right? And we're in the Hard Rock Sportsbook. And I think because it's the West Coast, right, there's yep. probably only 10 or 12 people in there. Everyone's heavily inebriated. And uh, everybody has Portland, right? So when Lillard hits the go-ahead shot, right? I mean, everyone's high-fiving, jumping around, right? And then forecast, I mean, fantastic shot, right? I mean, horrible rotation on uh, Portland's part, you know. Uh, they just didn't switch correctly, right? Like, they, they didn't know. One guy thought they were switching, one guy didn't. But still, he had to make the shot. But the funniest part was everyone's so hammered. They must have been seen double. His foot was on the line. His foot was on the line. So my girlfriend stops me like, wait, wait, I th- they said his foot was on the line. I look at the replay. I'm like, his foot's not even anywhere close to the line. I'm like, gosh, I, I got to get this hammered if I'm going to be watching these games because <laughs> it was just hilarious. But wasn't that a fun game and a fun ending? I don't know if, if you missed it or not. Did you? Oh, I did. I was I was one? fast asleep at that point. I, okay. I, I made it through the first half and okay. um, fell asleep at some point during the third quarter. Smart enough to bet the Sixers. I think I got them at like plus 190. Just before nice. I just before I dozed off, yeah, and I, and I was woke up, by up like seventeen. Yep, or no, they were only up by like seven at that point. The Sixers had made a run, and it, it, okay. it looked like they were going to tighten it up a little bit. It so looked I like an it. easy cash. Like we were all in there, like you know, congratulating each other, and 
you know, around the, you know, in the third quarter, uh, beginning of the fourth, they were up by double digits. So, I, so I did go back and, and rewatch it, but you know, again, I woke up, um, I don't know, maybe half an hour after the game was over, just a bunch of replays of Furcan mm-hmm. uncorking all over yeah. the city of Portland, which was quite yeah. a great way to wake up at like one in the morning or whatever the heck. Time yeah, I'm it was. sure you were happy in, in much a little more money in my pocket watching Furcan contribute. Yeah. Absolutely, you and William Hill were very happy about that. Yes, we were. All right. I, didn't, I don't think there's any more teams we're going to touch on in the East. Um, you know, the Nets are still kind of figuring themselves out. The Magic not starting too hot. Um, so let's jump into the Western Conference. Touched on the Clippers a little bit. We've got the Lakers at six to one. Nuggets at five to two. Phoenix, the Phoenix Sun spread, five and two. The number three team in net rating spread. Um, and we'll go through that list just a little bit. But the Phoenix Suns, what have you seen from them? What are you optimistic about? I know they just took care of my Sixers, uh, not last night, I believe that was the night before, but what have you seen in Phoenix? So, I mean, they were kind of like what the Kings were hoping or basically any young like lottery-bound team that, had, that has their star in place uh, was hoping to do, and that was make the right Roth season moves to um, enhance you know the talent that they already had. And I'll be interested to see if it keeps going. I'm still, I mean, they've looked great so far. I don't know if I'm a believer yet, but boy, Rubio seems like a great addition. Booker's a lot more effective off the ball. And I think that it's allowing Booker to be a lot more effective. It's a great role for Rubio. And boy, you know, with the Warriors falling out, you know, there's that spot that's open. and, And Phoenix right now is saying, you know, that spot's ours. I also, I'm not ready to, to crown them a playoff contender quite yet, but you make a great point about their offseason. Really what they did, they looked at their two best players, Devin Booker and DeAndre, and it seems to be that they thought about what can we do to make their lives easier. So you add Ricky Rubio, someone who's going to guard the other team's best guard most nights. He's going to bring the ball up the floor so Devin Booker doesn't have to worry about doing either one of those things. You bring in Kelly Oubre Jr., just kind of a nice glue guy who can do well, a lot Oubre of things. Well, Oubre was there last year. Oh, and end of the year. I think that they yeah. probably picked he him up last year, thinking trade. about last year. Dario Saric, trade, you yeah. get him. He's a guy who likes to rebound, kind of do dirty stuff. A really yeah. underrated passer, someone who's happy to just kind of move the ball around and find the open guys. And for Aiton and Booker, what they really get to do is focus on scoring, doing doing on stuff doing stuff that they want to do. And Aiton has taken a step forward defensively. That would be the other big improvement I've seen in Phoenix. He seems to be much more engaged on that end of the floor. So I'm optimistic about and, their chances. I think they'll be frisky, but I'm not quite ready to, to think about betting them to make the playoffs. And Twitter's going to kill us if we don't mention Aaron Baines. Does he have like the most irrational, exuberant fan club on there? <laughs> he does. He's been great. He's a, he's another yeah. really good addition. You know, he is going to do all the stuff that nobody else really wants to do. He's a tough guy. He brings a lot of attitude. And he yeah. comes from that Celtics locker room that I think, you know, for the most part was a pretty positive place. So, you know, a couple really good additions, veteran guys that are doing things and are supporting your younger players. I thought you, you, you hit the nail right on the head there. What a great offseason the Suns have had. Yeah, so, so far it's translated. Let's see. I mean, so let's say if you were going to set their win total now, what would you set it at? Like, where do you see this team now after oh, seeing what you've seen so far? I, I know mean, it's tough, huh? They're 5-2. and two. I, I think that I'd have to set it probably in the 30s. I think that at some You're point. You're still in the 30s. You think that they'll, they'll fall back at some point? Yeah, I, I can't bring myself to make it 40. I'm definitely not going to take it as high as 42. I don't see them as being a 500 team. I think they they will come back to earth at some point. And, you know, I, I, we'll see how, how healthy everybody stays. I know Rubio sometimes um, can be a little 
in and out. I know Saric gets hurt sometimes, so we'll, we'll see if they can keep everything going together. But I would still be eh, like mid mid to high 30s. I don't know, like 39 feels like too much. 35 feels kind of low, so maybe a 36 or a 37. How about you? See, I, that's why I was asking. I think it's one of the toughest questions. Right, because the way they're playing right now, I mean, it's looking like 42, 43. Yeah, I, you... I, I think you've got to remove yourself from, you know, we're, we're seven games in. We're less than 10% of the way through the season. Yeah. So I'm pumping the brakes just a little bit. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm glad that they're going to be good. You know, more good teams makes for more fun games. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still thinking them in somewhere in the 30s. I'm not quite ready to make them a 500 team. Okay, well, hmm. I'll put them at 40 right now, but but I could see them regressing too. So I think they're one of the more interesting stories of the NBA, right? A lot of the stuff we knew, right? They're definitely something that we did not know. We weren't, I mean, we almost glazed over them in our Pacific division preview, right? I mean, just so. All right. I'm going to actually write this down here. We've been doing a better job on this podcast of trying to write down some of our predictions. So let me date this Phoenix suns wins spread. You want 40 as, as your official guess. Yep. All right, I'm going to go 37. That number feels just about right. All right, so we've got that knocked down there. Um, let's keep going through the West Coast here. Again, knocking through the standings. Lakers, Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, Mavericks, Timberwolves. Now, the Mavericks and the Timberwolves, two teams that I think had a lot of upside. I know that there were some people that were down on Dallas, and you know, we'll see if Porzingis can continue to stay healthy. Minnesota, again, a team that everyone was a little questioning of, a lot of worries about Andrew Wiggins. But um, these two teams... Let me ask this question a little differently. I know you want to talk about both of them. Mavericks or, or Timberwolves, which team do you think finishes with more wins this year? Mavericks. Okay, so you like the Luka-KP combination a little better. Yeah. Why uh, is anything else? I just think, you know, in the Mavericks you get two top-tier players, and boy, Towns is almost creeping into the MVP uh, conversation here. But, you know, who's his support? Who do, who do they go to when he's having an off night? So yeah. It's tough to find that second piece, and with the Mavericks, you have Carlisle, the coach. So I know we're both pretty optimistic about them. Now, what do you think about the Timberwolves? You know, obviously we don't think they're so as good as the Mavericks, but though. they have. I agree. I don't expect them or more to my expectations. Yeah, I think you know during the off season we kind of talked about them as maybe the second or third contender for that last playoff spot in the West. Uh, I didn't think that at all. I was thinking they're second and ter- third contender for the top lottery position in the West. Well, that's good. I'll come out ahead on that prediction then. But <laughs> I, 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 again, I'll temper expectations. They played six games so far at an 82 game season. I'm, I wonder if they can keep it up. You know, their differentials right around zero. So you know, they probably should be closer to three and three than they should be four and two. So we'll see how it goes. I think again, they'll fall out of the playoff race. But again, fun to see them be competitive and see Carl Anthony Towns kind of take the next step forward. You do wonder if they have a move to make. I know that they were really hot on D'Angelo Russell last year, so I wonder if they can put together the pieces to make the, a big From move. what you've seen from Russell so far, do you think he would even help that much? No, he wouldn't, but I wonder if they have the pieces. Again, the Wiggins contract at least is something that they can move with some draft picks, and we'll see. But I'm not too optimistic. We have the Timberwolves. You've got the Rockets, 4-3, and three, Jazz, 4-3, and three, Spurs, 4-3, and three, Blazers, 3-4, and four, kind of just still figuring, out, figuring themselves out. Um, anything else on the Western Conference? I think we touched on all the teams we wanted to. So I will be in Homer here, and I won't give my opinion at all, but I want to hear the outsider's perspective on the Kings now at, during week three. Well, they're two and five. They're missing Bagley a ton. Luke Walton doesn't seem to kind of have control of the ship yet. 
I'm not optimistic. As someone that was hoping kind of quietly that they could be the team to upset the apple cart and take the eighth playoff spot from one of those teams that we were all pretty confident would be in. Um, it's early. We'll see how it goes, but I'm not as optimistic as I was a few weeks ago. How, yeah, how, no, is, how been... is the city of Sacramento feeling? What's talk radio like around there? Are we trying? Is it time to tear it down? No, they're not tearing it down, but people are definitely disappointed. And, and you know, this is definitely the first time in a while that they had their expectations up. And it's yeah, it hasn't been going very well at all. So would you would you put it on Walton? I mean, that's the one difference. I think I think Walton. I think the Bagley injury. There's a lot of of little changes. Bagley there. didn't play a lot last year, though. Yeah, but I think that he was supposed to be a big part of the team, and it's tough to make that big switch. We haven't spent probably the whole off season building a lot of things around there, but the talent is still there. So Walton does need to figure something out. I think with Bagley out, he should tr- be trying to play some smaller lineups. I don't think that I've seen too much of that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Although I, again, I'm not too optimistic. All right, and here's another fun one that they're debating that's kind of Kings related. Uh, if you're taking, you know, for a franchise going forward, who would you rather have, De'Aaron Fox or Trey Young? Trey Young. Trey Young, huh? I'm all, I, in today's NBA, I'm always going to take the better shooter unless one player is defensively much better than the other. I uh-huh. don't think that Fox is defensively. I mean, I think he is better than Young is, but yeah. I don't know that if he's he's so good that I'm really worried about that. I think Young, you know, everyone tries to compare him to Curry, and I'm not going to do that. I don't think he's going to be questionably the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. Um, but I do think that what Young does from a spacing perspective with what he does from you know the kind of the concept of gravity score, the amount of attention that he soaks up from the defense is wildly valuable. And I would take Young over Fox. And again, I'm not really sure it's close. Wow. So, and I would say that that's kind of one that's flipped during the off season, right? Yep. Since the off season, I mean, that's kind of like a, a quick one just from watching this year, but everyone expected Fox to take these steps and be, you know, an all-star level guard this year. And, and he hasn't necessarily done it yet, but like I said, we're only in week three. So um, still plenty of time to turn things around. No one can, can give up hope yet. Not even the Golden State Warriors. That's right. All right, spread little team statistics here. Why don't you try to guess which team so far has the highest net rating this season? Um, let me see. I'll tell you. Last it was week, the Lakers last week. Last week it was the Lakers. Who do you think and it is this week? Let me see. They did pretty good this week, so I'd say the Lakers still. The Milwaukee Bucks. The Lakers dropped oh, down they to jumped second, ahead? and the okay. Suns. The Phoenix Suns spread. So I, yeah, I saw that they're way high. Yeah. That's pretty fun. I like that. All right. Who do you think has the best offensive rating? Um, Milwaukee. The best offensive rating, the Mavericks of Dallas. Who do you think has the no worst? No way. Yep, 113.1. I'm looking at the wow. Bucks. They're just 112.6. Who do you think has the lowest offensive rating? There's only two teams that have an offensive rating below 100, and uh, this is one of them. Chicago? The Orlando Magic. Can you guess the other team wow. that has an offensive rating? I'm sorry. You know what? I actually scrolled down a little further. I was missing the Memphis Grizzlies. So there's actually three teams that have an Memphis offensive below 100. So Orlando, Memphis, and can you guess the third team with an offensive rating under 100 points? Hmm. Sacramento? The New York Knickerbockers. Oh, I don't see. I shouldn't have missed that one. All right. Who do, who do you think has the best defensive rating? Hmm. Clippers? 
Utah Jazz. Clippers. Wow. Let me see where the Clippers are. I actually don't think the Clippers' defense has been terribly great. No, they're like 106. So some room for improvement on that end. Who has the worst defensive rating? And this one you should get. Chicago. The Warriors. Really? Oh, come on. We've been beating up Warriors opponents' teams' totals for almost a week now. Yeah, their yeah, their defensive true. rating is in laughable 117. I'm looking down here. The next closest, I think, is... 111.7 is the Hornets. I mean, so a full six points worse than the worst team from a defensive rating standpoint. That is, that's not good spread. All right. Well, who's that got... reminds me of a really bad joke I thought of today. Is it time for the Warriors to bring Mark Jackson back in to get all these young players to play defense? And then once he instills uh, some defensive integrity in them, they can bring Steve Kerr back to, to get him to score enough points. I would vote Mark Jackson be removed from the country and put on an island somewhere, not to be allowed to be on TV or anywhere near a basketball court. If I never see or hear from Mark Jackson again for the rest of my life, so you're not a happy Mark Jackson that. guy, huh? Uh, apparently not. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Who's got the fastest pace? This one was surprising. Fastest pace. Uh, but I'll just guess quickly. Atlanta. The Timberwolves. Who has the really? slowest pace? This was even more surprising. Um, Portland. The Denver Nuggets. No way. Yeah, the Nuggets pace I'm looking at. Again, these are all numbers I pulled off NBA.com. The Nuggets pace is at 97. Oh, yeah, no, I guess so. I mean, their center is 300 pounds. They usually, I think they were much faster than that last year. But, but their center was about 260 last year. That's yeah, true. All right. He's so gained you, a lot of weight. I thought that those were pretty interesting. We'll keep doing that kind of checking Definitely. in. It's fun to yeah. hear spread guess because he's he's not too great at, at guessing stuff. But he did pretty good there. I, I thought yeah, he did no, okay. not at all. All right. Let's take a quick look back at last week. We made two picks in the podcast. And guess what spread? We won them both. The Atlanta yeah. team total under 105.5. I don't even think they got over 100. And the Clippers got kind of lucky here. Clippers minus 5. They won by 6. But you know what, spread? It's not a buy. Did you watch that though? No, no, I did not. It, was that... it didn't. It 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 was double digits for most of the last um, eight minutes of the game, you know, and then they got a three or something with, um, you know, a minute to go, and then nothing really happened after that. So it did. It felt like the right side the whole time. All right, let's. It would at... have been a backdoor cover if it got covered for sure. All right. Well, it's always better to win. It doesn't matter how much it wins by spread, just that it wins. Yeah, but there's also there's also the times where you know you got lucky, you know, and then there's the times where you feel like you're on the right side, and that definitely felt like the right side. Well, it's much better than we had last week. We not only have a, a fourth additional game to talk about, we, they were nice enough to hang odds for each four of these games. First All one right. I see up, we've got the Boston Celtics visiting the Charlotte Hornets. The Celtics minus 6.5. I'm seeing a total of 218.5. No surprises there for me. I assume Boston would, would be a, a pretty solid favorite here. I like the Celtics. I don't know if if six and a half is a good number. What do you think? Celtics. Who wait I'm sorry, do that game one more time? Celtics Hornets. Boston in oh, okay. Charlotte. Celtics minus six and a half. The totals at two eighteen and a half. 
I hate playing road uh, road favorites like that, don't you? I do. It's it's kind of a tough spot. I think that the play here, I think you've, you've, it's Boston or nothing. So let's maybe find a more interesting way to bet the Celtics. We could go. Let so me wait, see. why is it Boston or nothing though? You don't think that Charlotte can cover that? No, I don't think Charlotte is is nearly the team that the Celtics are. I don't. I, I struggle with what the Hornets are going to be able to do to kind of. They haven't get Boston been that bad game. this year. I mean, like they've been better than expected, wouldn't you say? I mean, their their record has been, but again, their differentials right around zero. They basically played like a five hundred team, maybe slightly worse than a five hundred team. I mean, their net rating minus. 5.9 the Celtics you look at them they're plus 5.6 again these aren't opponent adjusted yet but and you know we haven't had a, a ton of games to kind of spread out some of that noise but I think the Celtics are the much better team again at this early in the season I do wonder if the six and a half is a little too big but you 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 would need to give one hell of a speech right now to talk me into taking taking the Hornets that's funny I think I would rather I don't. I, first of all, I don't want to touch it. Like I'm looking at that, and I'm like, that's not a fun game, right? Because you don't want to lay the low, the the the, the row chalk, and then you definitely don't want to, you know, take the Hornets. So, how about a Celtics team total over? I'm seeing a one twelve and a half for the Celtics team total over. Can I talk you? Into so, that? do you still have your defensive ratings up? Can can we justify that by saying that Charlotte has a really bad defensive rating? Yep, let me just double check. The Hornets, you know, again, a defensive rating of 111. That's pretty rough. That's, you know, not quite the worst in the league. Again, it's not Golden State's 117, but they're in the bottom. Looks like five or six in the league defensively. Um, the Celtics, from an offensive perspective, at a 108, not quite as good as the lead leading 113, but in the top half of the league. Um, I think that that's maybe the angle. Try to look at maybe a Celtics team total over, or maybe a Hornets team total under. The Hornets team I total almost at like one six and a half. I like that better. Do you have the pace stats up? Where's Boston and Charlotte on pace? From pace perspective, I got Boston at one hundred one. Let me go down here, Charlotte to right around a hundred. So you know, it's not going to be a super fast game. You know, you I think I like the pieces. Charlotte under more. I think Boston's a good defensive team, and. Um, I think the Charlotte team total under would be my favorite. That's an interesting look. I want to look at one more thing, but that Charlotte team total under is, is pretty tasty. I think that we may see a slower game. And So the other angle I was looking at was maybe a Boston alternate spread. Um, but I think if we get to a position where it is a blowout like that, I think you're right. It's probably a situation more where Charlotte isn't scoring and maybe they do cover the alternate spread. But you know maybe the sure thing, the easier bet here is to look at Charlotte under you know 108. Now, they have scored a decent amount of points this year. I know some of these games went to overtime. They did put up 120 in their first games, but 111, 118, 93, then 122. I know that was an overtime against the Pacers. So it's interesting to see that they've scored so many points with such a slow pace. So, again, the only other thought I had was looking at some alternate lines here. We could do, like, the Celtics minus 8.5 or the Celtics minus 9 for, like, plus 135 or plus 145. Or do you still like the Hornets under? Yeah, I like the Hornets under. I, I don't I don't know I don't necessarily think I doesn't this seem like a um, to me it just seems like a game that Boston just like messes around almost like the way the Lakers played the Bulls yesterday mm-hmm. where they just <laughs> completely just blew off the thir- the first three quarters and then was like oh yeah like we still need the W and then they you know just turned it on and and pulled ahead when they needed to I just kind of worry about that type of uh, that type of game you know it's a national game. I'm thinking they can keep it close. 
So I definitely like the Hornets team total under better than an alternate spread on Boston. All right, so let's go with the Hornets team total under. What do you think? Should we go full unit or just kind of be cautious? Maybe we'll just throw a half a unit on that. Sounds good. Half a unit? Yep. All right, so we'll go with the half unit just this time. You know, last plays were full unit plays, but we're a little cautious here. Let's go with Charlotte team total under. 106.5. Make sure I get that in. All right, next game that we've got up here. Oklahoma City going to San Antonio. The Spurs minus four and a half at home. Total of 215. What do you think, Spread? The Spurs minus four and a half at home? Yep. I'm sorry, I'm pulling these up. I'm just a little slower than you. I love the Spurs in this one. I think I do. Coming off a loss. I think I do, too. That's a pretty short spread at home for them. Um Oklahoma City, I think they match up nicely with. They should have enough guards defensively to slow slow SGA and Chris Paul down. They should have enough big men offensively to get it done and keep scoring. DeMar DeRozan will probably have a nice game here. I think you're right. That minus 4.5 looks nice. Let me just look quickly. Some alternate t- lines if you're interested. Spurs minus 6.5 is plus 135. Spurs minus 7 is plus 150. But the 4.5 looks okay to me. Yeah, I like the 4.5. Let's play that one. All right, let's go with the Spurs, minus 4.5. All right, next game that we have up here, the Miami Heat visiting the aforementioned Phoenix Suns. This should be a really fun game. Two teams playing very well here at the beginning of the year. Um, Taking a look at the lines right now, the Phoenix Suns are at home, minus 1.5, so slight favorites over the Miami Heat, and I see a total of 218. What do you think here, Spread? So Miami's, you know, on a little bit of a road trip, right? Um, let me pull that up. Are I we believe too worried, they are, are we on worried their about fatigue in this situation. Let's see what their schedule looks like recently. I think you're so right. So they just they went to Denver. Road. That was it. That was it. They've only played one game, so they just started their trip. Yeah, their trip is go. Denver, Phoenix, LA, and then they'll head back home. So they played on Denver on Tuesday, so they'll have a night of rest and a pretty short flight. I think it's in the same time zone going from Denver to Phoenix. So. No messiness there, so unless they were out having a bunch of fun in Phoenix last night. I think the Heat should be okay at this point. Um, I'm not too worried about a fatigue angle there. I kind of want to take the Heat. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't know. You it's, know, I'm big on the Heat, but, boy, you know what? I tell you what, and it's funny that my model turned out the same way. I always like home teams so much more in NBA. When you have a big home court advantage, it makes a difference. That's why I'm a little yeah, less Phoenix excited. I don't, I don't know if Phoenix qualifies. That. Yeah. So, let's think about some of the matchups. I mean, how is the game going to look there? So, you're going to have, well, you know, Rubio, and they'll have who? Um, Kendrick Nunn. Let me pull this up here. We'll probably be, be on him. Do you think they'll put Butler on Booker? Probably put Winslow on Booker. That's what I would do. And how do you think that he would look? I think you he would think be able to slow be, him down a little bit. He's got some length. Down. He's got enough speed. Um, I'm just pulling up the Miami. I'm sorry, the Phoenix depth chart here. I've got the Miami depth chart open. I want to take a look and just kind of do this comparison a little more accurately. Like you said, Rubio. And I'll probably put none on Rubio. Booker and, and probably Wallace. Butler probably gets Oubre Jr. or something like that. Myers Leonard against Saric. And then Bam versus Aiden. I mean... Yeah, I, I like this Miami lineup. I, I think 
all things equal, if Miami is is fresh again, I know it's their second road game, but they did have the night off. I, I'm it's going to be tough to talk me out of a heat wager here, spread. Interesting. So here's the thing: if you you know if you were if I'm sitting here and I'm going to try and sell the heat with you, is the Heat have been doing a great job getting bench contributions uh, from Drogic and Hero, and that's really been you know, a Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams type of, of scorer off the bench is what Drogic has become in this new lineup. And credit to Spode for getting Drogic, you know, to to buy into this role so well. But he seems to be, really, you know, all in on it. And um, he's doing fantastic. And just watching the games, you just get a feel that they have such an advantage during some of those bench minutes um, that it's hard, harder for some of the, the teams to overcome. So, when those second units are in, who's going to be the featured scorer on Phoenix? Do you have the the depth chart up still? Yeah, I do. So Booker and Aiton are out now. Who's who's running the show here? I mean, it's they probably bring Rubio back on the floor. I don't know if Ty, I see Tyler Johnson on here. To be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Suns. I don't know if that he's playing and contributing in any way. Um, but I imagine it's I always some liked him, but that. he's not really that good. No, but I always root for him. That's kind of what I mean. Once once they go to the bench, I think that's where Miami's biggest advantages are i mean miami gets to bring Dragic in they get to bring hero in they get to bring Olenek in those are three solid players you know three players right. that might even start for the phoenix suns so if i'm making my argument for phoenix i'm just saying that their starters are going to be able to get ahead by five to eight so even if they're able to cut the cut the gap during that those minutes that you're getting you're getting a nice lead and then you're getting the crunch time with maybe the advantage team so uh Let's say the game is four minutes left and it's tied. Which squad, you know, and the starters are out there. Which squad do you like more? Is it do you like Butler? Do you think he's the best player on the floor? Or I think Booker is probably the best player on the floor. I think if Booker's playing a good game, he is the best player on the floor here. I think. But you. That's funny. I like Butler better than Booker. That's interesting. I think it is close, but I'd rather have Booker. I'm just thinking. Let's say. you know, Miami scores, they're up by two, there's less than a minute, and now I can move Butler to the on-ball defender. Um, you know, you can't do that with Booker, you know. You can't get that just dogged defense that Butler gives you if you are ahead. So I'm just thinking if Phoenix wins, they do win by a lot. So if I'm on Phoenix here, I'm actually – this is my would be my favorite one for the alternate spreads because I think a close game is definitely in Miami's advantage. You know, That's I think interesting. That, so you're not really sure who wins, but you think if it's Phoenix, it's a relatively comfortable win? Is that kind of what we're getting at? Basically because I just think that, like I said, I think Butler is better than Booker. I mean, Booker can score better, but, you know, possession for possession. And, and you know, you can move Butler over on a Booker if he's torching you. And I think he can give him a lot of problems, you know. And I don't know who you do that with on Phoenix if, if Butler's really hot. The only other angle I was looking at was maybe an over. Both teams with a pace right around 105, which, you know, it's not too bad. That's certainly not slow. It's a little on the quicker side. You know, I'm seeing a total of 218 here. I wonder if they could get to 220. Any interest in a total? I So, okay, now is this different? Because I used to always like heat unders because their pace wasn't the fastest and they played good defense. Yeah, I think their pace, is, Spol- de- their pace is definitely picked up you. this year. Okay. And, and do you think that's a Butler effect or just a no white side effect? I think it's a no white side effect. I think in general, you look at the team, it's a lot faster team. It's a lot more it's dynamic. A lot faster. There's always a good ball handler on the floor and somebody who's comfortable right. leading the break. So I think that, you know, although Spo has said in a few things, he doesn't expect the pace to stay this fast all year. I don't see any reason to believe that they'll slow down anytime super soon. Yeah. 
All right, so we're between the over and then maybe let's take a look at these Phoenix alt spreads. Minus three and a half plus 130 minus four plus 140. Maybe go minus four plus 140. What the heck? We'll, we'll sell as many points as we can. So I'm kind of between the minus four plus 140 and then the uh, over 218. But what do you think? I, I don't, boy, I'm so scared of playing over in Miami games. So this might be old habits die hard. Because this is a case where the number, my old, you know, instinct is going against what numbers are blatantly telling me. And it could be a weakness in some of my handicapping. All right, come on, spread. You want to hold hands with me and walk into the new world? <laughs> it's overs in the NBA. Come on, it's 2019. I know it is. Well, first of all, betting an under in the NBA is not fun at all. No, no, that's the worst. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's a horrible experience, you know. All right. Because it could be going under the whole quarter and they, they just have these spurts. 12 points in 40 seconds, you know, between both teams. All right, we're hamming and hawing quite a bit here. I'm going to make a decision and take the over unless you feel really strongly about one of those Phoenix alternate spreads. I like the Phoenix alternate spread, so why don't we play both, and then we'll just see what All right, let's, we'll do half, we'll we'll do half, half a unit. Half yeah. unit. All right, so over yeah. 218, and then and right, you, you can want to do the minus the, four? Yeah, I'll do the minus four, because like I said, I think a close game favors Miami. I think if Phoenix wins, they get out ahead and kind of uh, – you know, dictate the pace of the game and, and don't necessarily let Miami into the game. All right, so we'll do half a unit there. Wonderful. We'll do half a unit there. San Antonio minus four and a half. That was a full unit. We like that, right? Yes. All right. So the last game we have to cover here, let's take a look. Is Blazers uh, Clippers? Blazers Clippers. Clippers are the home team. Kawhi Leonard should be back. We mentioned this line earlier in the show. The Clippers are minus five. The total hangs at 225. I think it's moved to half. five and a half during the show. Oh, has it? I just refreshed. Bovada's still at oh, five, dude. so maybe, oh, maybe they're Bovada's a little behind. Oh, and usually a square book, so if it's Bovada's at five, then it's five. Yeah, it's, it's, My number must be old. Okay, so maybe the, maybe it will move to five and a half. Maybe it, um, the, tr the Blazers yeah, are taking Bovada's some action the regardless. One. If I'm playing underdogs, I usually go to Bovada. Okay. So what do you think about this game? You lean in Clippers, you lean in Trailblazers. Um, nothing stuck out to me initially. See, I like the Clippers a lot. I think they're going back to our Zach Collins injury. I think this is a team that can is really going to be hurting without the ability with, with their forwards in there. I think that, um, you know, this is where the Clippers' depth is really going to come into play. And... Um, Obviously, with Leonard getting a little bit of heat um, for missing tonight, I'm pretty sure he's going to be coming out, and he'll put out a nice little primetime performance for everybody. So I like the Clippers here a lot. I think I do, too. I think I like that minus five. I'm, I'm looking at some of the alternate numbers here. Um, See, I don't like the alternates because I don't want to go past seven. That's my key number. That's your key number so, is seven. Yeah, yeah, so we'd have to go to seven and a half plus 125 like or eight it. minus 140. Yeah, Clippers team total 115 and a half. That looks maybe a little bit low, but I, I think you're right. I like the minus four better. Um, I'm sorry, minus five, not minus four. Minus, minus four five. would be lovely. Yeah, I think I like the minus five better. Um, all right, so we're expecting you know healthy Kawhi Clippers to be pretty much the same team they've been all season. Trailblazers still trying to figure out how to put it together without Zach Collins. Yeah, I don't think there's too much here to really debate. Um, Clippers minus five for the second podcast in a row, spread. Yeah, that's. My, I mean, I don't think that you're going to be too upset Ben on this Clippers team this year. I, I mean, we said it in the preseason, you know, depth wise. 
this team is fantastic. And if you even look for for maybe another reason why uh, Leonard chose the Clippers, not maybe not necessarily over the Raptors, but definitely over the Lakers, is that depth and the fact that um, you know this is going to be a situation where I think that it's really going to be evident. Uh, when you see how weak Portland is and when they're trying to run Bazemore at the four and, you know, he's going to be going up against there and Harrell and Aminu is, is on the Clippers now, right? So mm-hmm. the guy that they that they probably needed to have that role. No, Aminu's on the Magic. Harkless is on the Clippers. Harkless. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. So, um, you know, they'll be looking at the guy that they actually probably needed in the role tonight, you know, to win being on the other side. So that would be extra rough too. All right. So we got five picks for you. Um, we'll risk uh, 0.55 units to win half a unit on that Charlotte team total under 106. Um, risk 1.1 units to win one on San Antonio minus four. Another half unit to win on Phoenix Miami over over 218. We'll put half a unit on Phoenix minus four at plus 140. Love that plus money. And then the Clippers again, sort of becoming here the podcast bet. Clippers minus five to win a unit. All right, Spread, I think that was just about everything we had to cover. Anything else before we wrap? Um, no, I think we got it all. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'd love a rating and review on whatever app you're using. Please follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod and reach out to us with any questions you might have. I know we're only touching in once a week, but Spread and I are handicapping basketball every single day, and um, we'd be more than happy to talk to you a little bit more about it. So have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers.